When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Feel that one scored to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for a ceremony. No, no. Like... Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you can follow CLNS on social media at Twitter. It's CLNS Media. Same thing with Facebook. Just search CLNS Media. It will pop up there. Of course, don't forget the uh, free iOS and Android podcasting app. All the shows on the network, including ours, up there, ready to go. Stream it on your way to work. Uh, if you're at home, whatever it may be, um, check us out there as well. We're on, of course, show Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. So please go follow and, and all that good stuff if you're not already. On iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Please keep subscribing. Do it. Review us. Get to the top. Uh, that'd be awesome. And uh, don't forget, of course, check out uh, the CLNS Media website coming soon. Can be, it's very exciting stuff. So uh, Red Sox, can't get much better than 6-0. and uh, Great week for them. Uh, no Jess this week. Lauren's with me. And... Uh, or we never seem to pr- predict undefeated. Uh, we just talked about it before we came on here, and uh, it's really unfortunate for the first time we actually didn't get a chance to predict it, and it actually came true. Yeah, we had uh, pretty crappy predictions last week all around. I mean, I had them losing two from the White Sox, so worst is on me. I'll take that hit. But, I mean, how can you not be in a good mood after this, this especially this whole homestand as a whole? It's just amazing. I mean, if you wanted to put a disclaimer on it, we could. A little asterisk because they didn't play a game, so you never know. Granted, we would have been wrong either way because it would have only been 6-1. and one. And, But that being said, I don't mind putting an asterisk next to it to protect us, protect our name, protect the good name that is the Red Sox beat predictions, whatever <laughs> that is worth nowadays. Um, but yeah, so th- we missed the game. Obviously, due to the rain, that's going to be made up soon. I think the 14th, I believe, of August. Uh, so that's coming around the corner against the Indians. But, you know, two good games against the Indians. Uh, finally got Rick Porcello some run support this week. Uh, Amazing. Just, yeah, overall, w- when that starts happening, either pigs are flying or the Red Sox are playing well and uh, Red Sox are playing well, so don't look up for pigs. Um, but, you know, no jest this week. We're going to do a recap. I'm usually the one that does it. Lauren's going to give it a crack this week. It's not going to be long. It's not going to be in-depth. Sorry, Jess isn't here. 
He goes all the detail. It's probably not going to be very pretty. So. Okay, so we're going to get through this together, Lauren. <laughs> uh, so why don't you take us around this wonderful week that was. Um, you, you got a great week to recap. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the only reason I'm doing it. Yeah, you're though. like, I'm going to do it because it's good. <laughs> it's good. You know, and Jess said something about it. I have to do it. You have to recap this. So Monday when we were recording, we uh, mentioned that they, they won 6-2. to uh, Doug Fister pitched a really good game. Seven, uh, seven two-thirds innings, five strikeouts, five hits, two runs, two walks. Really not too bad. That's the night he replaced David Price, and we had a field day with that last week. Um Let's see, Dever, Rafael Devers went four for four, and Eduardo Nunez continued to prove this was a good trade because he had three hits, two RBI, and a solo base. And, I mean, this, this is probably the least exciting game of the week, but I just want to talk quickly about Doug Fister because, obviously, he did not pitch well coming into Monday's game, and then he just goes out there and gets into the eighth inning. So definitely wicked positive for that. And then Rafael Devers and Eduardo Nunez, we had them as co-MVP last week, and I, I feel like these two just can't be stopped right now. No, and I think with Fister, you know, and we'll, we'll always talk about Nunez endeavors, especially be coming up because I want to talk about uh, Pedroia and what happens with him because he's supposed to be coming back this week too, as early as tomorrow, I think. But, um, you know, with Fister, I'm curious if this is something that, you know, he's pitched, he pitched like this in Detroit, two start, good starts in a row after kind of adjusting the Red Sox uniform. Like, what happens when Price comes back? Are you going to let this guy not pitch? I know Price is you know, probably only pitched till September at this point, the way it probably is because they're probably hiding something or hiding him. But, you know, this guy is a legitimate fifth starter, and um, you're okay without David Price right now. Yeah, you're very okay without him right now. And, you know, if the if Fister keeps pitching this way, maybe it'd be smart just to keep David Price out until playoffs. I mean, I guess it really depends on how Fister pitches and how Price feels with his elbow or his feelings. It really could go Seriously. either way. Seriously, if he goes a little damaged, probably not okay. Um, but look, I, I mean, we look, we talked about this week and I, I know I made power predictions not thinking that, um, they would win the Doug Fister game over. And I, and I thought they were going to lose the Chris Sale game. We'll talk about that in a second, but you know, this game felt more like a Chris Sale game than the actual Chris Sale game did. It wasn't as dominant as Chris Sale has been, but you know, Doug Fister came out and really just was in control of this game the entire time. Uh, his, his stuff was moving, his, um, the, the the batters seemed like they were just confused, not sure. He got some good defensive help as well behind him, which is a good sign for the Red Sox. But, you know, overall, Lauren, the game wasn't boring, but that's almost the way you want it. I mean, the game was kind of boring, but, like, that's the way you want it. Because, you know, they were in control the entire time. You, you have good pitching, you have some good offense to get you ahead, and you never really look back. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, like I said, it was probably the least exciting game of the week, but it was still exciting, you know, because they were in control the whole time. That's when two for five, Nunez three for five, Devers four for four. So it was just, you really had it all there. And then that brought us into Tuesday, which was probably the best game of the year. It had absolutely everything. The Red Sox ended up winning 12-10. And it did not look pretty. I'm going to read the the numbers for Chris Sale real quick. It's five innings, eight hits, seven runs, and five strikeouts. That does not sound like Chris Sale (laughs) at all this season. No. Um, it, It definitely showed he was human. It definitely showed that he's also a psychopath and these games just kind of bring out the best and worst in in him and i'm i'm not glad that he had an outing like this but it just goes to show that he's human he's going to have a bad start and it it came out you know he um cleveland went up 5 nothing in the second and then it kind of looked like from there that this game was just going to be garbage you know we had the austin jackson austin jackson catch from uh, robbing hanley ramirez of a home run um, kind of like the 2013 Torrey Hunter, but he actually made the catch and went into the Red Sox bullpen. 
but it was kind of cool. Like, I mean, it was an amazing catch. You have, if you haven't seen it, please go, go find it. But if you haven't seen it, you probably either aren't a baseball fan and why are you listening to this podcast at that point (laughs) or, um, or you're living under a rock. So if you're living under a rock, go check it out because even if if you're not a baseball fan and you're listening right now, go check it out because it's going to make you appreciate this. And what's really cool is Fenway gave uh, Jackson a standing ovation after and, uh, it was just, it was pretty cool. I mean, I was, you know, shocked that he caught that. And then it was just, like you said, this game had everything. So twists and turns all game. Uh, Cleveland was up by five. Boston tied it in the bottom half of the second. Cleveland added two more runs in the fifth. Boston said, screw you. We're going to score four more in the sixth. <laughs> Cleveland said, no, screw you. We're going to take the lead back in the ninth. And Christian Vasquez had the biggest screw you of all the whole night and hit a second home run. Home run in, oh, my God. Home run of the season. And uh, it was a walk-off, his first walk-off home run and uh definitely very special for him he said at the end of the game his dad and his family were in the stands um obviously a special night for the red sox fans with the game that you know we talked last week chris sale was pitching so it's an automatic win didn't really look that way for a long time and uh but the ninth inning was just absolutely wild because it started off with jackie bradley jr flying out Raphael devers reached on infield single mitch moreland tried to check his swing but didn't but he ended up reaching first anyway um and that brought Vasquez to the dish, and then we all know what happened from there. So this game was absolutely, absolutely wild. Mitch Moreland was 2-for-5, Nunez 3-for-5, 4-RBI, that game for him. And just, like I said, uncharacteristic start for Chris Sale. I think it's weird, too. You know, I mean, this game deserved the strikeout to end the game, but not really to end the game, Mitch Moreland situation, to get Vasquez to the plate. And uh, this game was weird. You know, a lot of offense, Not when you came into this game, the pitching matchup was not, it was, it was Sale Carrasco, if I'm right. So, you know, it's not something that you expected. And the game kind of turned on it inside out, and, you know, you thought, oh, Chris Sale gave up five runs. Great. Okay, the Red Sox tied it. Chris Sale will be dominated. We'll get a couple rounds. You'll win this game. Gives up two more. And then it's like, okay, we're screwed if, if this is happening during a Chris Sale start. But then, you know, people forget, you know, Addison Reed pitched this game, gave up a run in the eighth, still gave Kimbrell a chance for the save. Kimbrell looked like crap. Um, he was all over the place. Thank God it was just that one game, it seems like. But, you know... This game deserves a Christian Vasquez walk-off homer uh, to dead center field. Like, th- this is what the way the game was supposed to end. Uh, crazy enough, I didn't think it was going to end this way. I'm happy I watched it. But, you know, it's one of those things where you take the confidence. Finally, the offense could pick up Chris Sale because Chris Sale has bailed out this offense so much this year. It's nice to see this team come together. Every time the punch went against Chris Sale, the offense punched right back for him. Um, it, it was great to see, and, and man, I've, I've been on the Christian Vasquez train since day one. You can attest to that, Lauren. And sure see, seeing him hit that bomb, I got so jacked up, and his just his just follow-through was great because he swings like he's in Little League still, learning the basics. Like, two swings, follow-through all the way, point to where you finish, and he pointed that ball all the way out. It was fantastic. It was. It was great. It was so much fun, and this game just, like I said, it had everything. It had, you know, good catches, good uh offense defense it just it had everything you want in a ball game and it's what makes baseball so exciting especially for diehard fans like us and especially you know we're so on this chris sale wagon where it's like like you said the offense has just bailed him out or he's bailed the offense out so many times where it was nice to see the offense come out and the bats come alive and Mm -hmm. just help him for once like for once like thank you offense oh god yeah fuck time absolutely and then that brought us into Wednesday, but that game ended up being postponed, so we're not even going to talk about Wednesday. Thursday, Rick Porcello was on the mound, and oh my god, they scored runs for him. Yeah, it really. Was, 
absolutely incredible. He had seven runs through two innings. Andrew Benintendi was three for three. Nunez, once again, two hits and an RBI. Everybody in the lineup had at least one hit. And this was Porcello's first win since June 23rd. The Red Sox had 15 hits on the night. And Andrew Benintendi's like the star of this game. Three for four, two doubles, RBI single, reached base all, all five times he was at the dish. And this was a special game for Raphael Devers, which I feel like I've said his name a hundred times already. He hit his first home run at Fenway at his first at-bat. It was a two-run shot. And then Mookie Betts had a two-run home run as well. Porcello got out of a jam with a huge strikeout, forcing fastball with a runner in scoring position with a score at 7-5. So it really had no room for error there. And it was just, it was so good to see runs scored for this guy because, I mean, he's 5-14 and 14 now. This He should easily be 10 and not 14, whatever. And <laughs> it's just, he pitched five and a third innings, seven hits, five runs, six strikeouts, and gave up a lot of hits, a lot of runs still. But like I said, everybody in this lineup had a hit. They all came together for 15 hits total and nine runs all together. So just very solid game, again, from the offense and the defense. These are the games that last year he won all the time, right? He didn't pitch great, and he still got the wins because the offense was phenomenal. It's about time they get him away at least one win like this. I know the offense isn't as good as it was last year. We've talked about that at length. But, you know, this offense is starting to hit its stride, seeing Devers, Nunez, and all these guys start to play a little better. Um, and for Porcello, he's reaping the benefits of it now. So maybe it's not an outlier. Maybe they'll come back for his next start and actually score some runs too. Because, look, he wasn't great in this game, Lauren. That's the thing. You know, it wasn't like he came out, only gave up two runs, and they still scored those runs. He needed every run he got. So it's one of those things where hopefully next time he doesn't need the runs, he still gets them because I think that'll give him confidence. Because I feel like part of him thought, okay, well, at some point I'm I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm not these runs are gonna run out and I'm not gonna you know and it's in his head at this point. So if he can now win another game without having to give up five runs, because he's lucky, honestly, they they scored nine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he like, it wasn't a very solid start by Porcello at all. I think he's had much better starts when he's lost the game before than this one, but. This, I mean, it comes down to the offense because the offense bailed him out a lot last year, and they're just not doing it this year, even though he's pitching, you know, he's not pitching horrible. But so it's nice to see the offense come alive. Like, this week just had it all. Like, bad pitching, good offense, good offense, bad pitching. And I'm just, I'm so happy that he finally got his first win since June and that the, that the team just figured out how to hit and score for him. Seriously, it's about time. Um, but again, I hope it's not an outlier. I hope that next start he gets run because this is like we, we're preaching the fact that he got run support. But like, what if next game he doesn't get run support? We're back to where we started. Yep, and I guess you know we'll see this week in in Florida when he's pitching. So hopefully he'll come up big. The offense will come up big again. And uh, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about that game. Because <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was it was it was good. This whole week was good, like we've we've talked about. But I just hope in this next start that he can pitch a little better but the offense can still score runs i don't think i'm asking for much there no you're definitely not and then friday this was a fun game too um john farrell's 55th birthday celebration uh eduardo rodriguez was on the mound pitched six innings four hits two walks and five strikeouts um this was another fun game uh the red sox were down 2-1 in the sixth and they really needed an offensive spark in who do you think? Eduardo Nunez was like, say no more, friends. And he sent an absolute moonshot over the Green Monster and tied the game. Uh, the game was tied heading into the ninth. Kimbrell was on the mound. Sticky situation because he allowed, allowed back-to-back singles. But he did get out of that. 
in this game would need extras to decide the winner. Um, and in the 11th, Mitch Moreland, Mitchie Fourbags, our good friend over here, uh, came to the dish. And this was his first um, at bat because he took over for Hanley Ramirez in the 10th because he has oblique tightness or soreness. So he came out of the game. Baby. And then Mo- Mitch Moreland decided he had enough and didn't want to play anymore and sent home run into the Green Monster. And for the walk-off win. And this celebration was super fun. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. Everyone's yep. just so excited and just the just throwing the stuff all over him. It's just, I love these celebrations because, I mean, we've had plenty of walk-off wins this year. We've seen them enough, but they just never get old. They're just, they're so much fun. Mitch Moreland, quote, hold my beer. Like, seriously. <laughs> Comes off the bench, plays defense, and hits a walk-off ding-dong in replace of Hanley. Like, that's phenomenal. And, look, I mean, n- nothing should, be, should go untalked about in terms of what Nunez has been doing. Every time this guy needs a big hit, somehow he gets it. Uh, when the Red Sox don't have a run, he hits a solo home run. When he needs this at bat, he gets he he's been gotten a big hit after a big hit every game he's played in. Um, and like I said, we're gonna talk about him in at length in a little bit after the recap here because there are some tough questions coming up, and this guy can't be taken to the lineup at this point. No, I don't think so either. And uh, going to Saturday, I was at this game. This was definitely a fun game to be at. Um, Shocker, Lauren at a baseball game at Fenway Park. My first one ever, guys. I promise. Yeah. Uh, Drew Pomeranz was on the hill which I was kind of excited about because originally it was going to be Doug Fister but then they shifted things and uh, so Pomeranz was on the mound and he threw six and a third inning seven hits and struck out eight Um, he did start off kind of shaky he gave up a home run on just the second pitch of the game but didn't really seem to bother the Red Sox they took the lead in the next half inning because Andrew Benintendi hit a two-run home run and then JBJ mirrored that in the following inning as he sent an absolute bomb over the White Sox bullpen. That went pretty far. Um, I was out in the bleachers at that point, and that was uh, it went extremely far. And then the White Sox did not go away. They tried to threaten in the seventh. They had a runner on first, but Mookie Betts flashed his leather and did Mookie Betts things. He made a catch in the outfield and caught Allen Hansen off guard. Betts threw the ball back to Mitch Moreland, stepped on first, complete the double play, and the inning. And uh, Brock Holt also made a great play at second when he tagged out Abreu. But he was initially called safe, but it only took 53 seconds for the umpires to be like, no, we screwed up. And the call was reversed. <laughs> Kimbrough got this 26 save. And the White Sox are just not good. This is, um, it was a good game for the Red Sox, not the White Sox. Uh, Drew Pomerantz got his 11th win. It's tying his career high. And he also has not lost since the beginning of June. So I don't think Pomerantz is really getting the credit this year that he deserves. And I think he's getting, you know, undershadowed or overshadowed, I'm sorry, for, you know, by Chris Sale and Porcello and all the price drama and everything. So I think Pomeranz, you know, he's doing exactly what he should be doing as a, you know, third, fourth, fifth starter. But see, isn't that a good thing for him, though, the under the underwhelming kind of support? Because I feel like for him, at least what I've seen of him, he's the type of pitcher that flourishes not being noticed, if that makes sense. Like, you know, when he did well... um, before he came here, when he was in San Diego, you know, he wasn't known. He was on the West Coast, and yeah, he was an all-star. Then he comes here, gets the attention, and sucked, right? And obviously he was hurt. That was part of it. But now he's, like you said, he's under the likes of Chris Dale, Drew Price, uh, David Price, excuse me. And, and you know, it's one of those things where maybe he's just okay with being the fourth, fifth guy and pitching well when he gets his chance. And other than that, just not being in the spotlight. Because you don't even hear much from Pomerantz. He, Talks on his nights, but like he doesn't make news. He just goes out, pitches, and is a good teammate. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one walk and eight strikeouts—that's that's really, really good. And I knew walks were an issue for him last year, and 
just he's really kind of becoming like a strikeout machine. I know we talked like Eduardo Rodriguez was kind of becoming that before he went on the DL again. Mm-hmm. And now Pomeranz has kind of taken over that. So it's definitely just it's so nice to see just because, you know, he was hurt. He had all that going around him last year. And then this year we were kind of like, no, God, is he going to be all right? And he just comes out and he's just like shining. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, seriously, he is actually pitching well. And look, I've been one to say, oh, he's not good, blah, blah, blah. I'm convinced. Like, I think he's good enough. He's not He's not a top-of-the-rotation guy. He never will be. That's not what he is. But, you know, four or five guy, bottom-of-the-rotation, and a guy there to help you along the process, especially where, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is coming back from injury. Price is dealing with an injury, if he really is, and all this situation. It's a nice guy to know that if Pomeranz is on the mound, he's not going to suck. He might not be great every game, like Chris Dale is, but that's fine because you don't need that every game. No, you don't. And, you know, just like David Price, you know, he's he was pitching really well. And then Doug Fister came in and decided to say, hey, I'm going to pitch well this week too. bring us into Sunday for to close out our six and oh week. He was on the mound for the second time this week. And once again, solid start from him, six and a third innings. Did give up eight hits, um, only three runs and struck out seven. So definitely a, another quality start for him and something I'm very excited about just because, you know, he hasn't pitched well so far except this past week. So this game... Uh, definitely a lot of fun too. Sox jumped out to an early two nothing lead from home runs from Eduardo Nunez and the hero of the game, Chris Young, who made this game extremely fun. Um, but Chicago got to Doug Fister the next inning. They had four straight hits. They would take a three two lead. So people, you know, Red Sox fans, like, here we go again. Here's the Doug Fister we know. <laughs> but <laughs> Chris Young was like, no, no, I got you. Don't worry. And he doubled, drove in Andrew Benintendi, tied the game at three. And then the White Sox, which I'm still boggled by this decision, they, in the fifth, decided to intentionally walk Benintendi to get to Chris Young. I know Benintendi was, you know, he's been hot this week after not playing the last few games. I understand that, but to get to the guy who's already driven in two runs on the night was just the stupidest thing they could have done. And he did exactly what you think he did. He hit a three-run shot, hit off the foul pole the Green Monster just to make it out of there. And they gave, gave the Red Sox a 6-3 lead, and that that's all they really needed. Kimbrell came in, got his 27th save, and they completed that four-game sweep of the, the White Sox. And the bullpen helped shut it down. Addison Reed, Matt Barnes, and Kimbrell all threw shutout innings. Doug Fister was good, and Chris Young was the hero. Three for five, far, five RBI, and two home runs. And it's like Chris Young, the unsung hero. Who would have thought this guy would have come in and just had the game of his life? Yeah, and you know, it's it's one of those things where you you could say you miss Mookie Betts, but then Chris Young did this, and you you miss these guys, but then... Guys are stepping up, and look, Chris Young was never a bad thing. You know, when we when when you bring him onto this team um, a year ago, or was it last year or two years ago? Chris Young was brought here two years ago. Now has it been two I years? It was, has it been two years already? Wow, time flies. Um, but when you know when you came here, you're like, oh, it's a good ad. You know, he's he's coming from the Yankees, yeah, but still still a thing. And then now it's like, okay, um, this this guy can hit the crap out of the ball. Um, and, and, you know, it's showing in, in a game like this where you don't really know what to expect. P- end of the series against the White Sox, you don't you always think, OK, maybe um, maybe they slack and don't win a game. And this might be the game we always talk about, Lauren, where it's a bad team. If you slip up a game. It's OK. You already won three. You've won your last five. They came back and they won this game. And, and kudos to them because they should have beat them. And they actually did. Yeah. And it was. It was great. You know, it was another game where I was thinking, oh, God, we're going to lose. And I know the White Sox are a terrible team. They're like 3-18 and or 3-19 and since the All-Star break. But, 
you know, the Red Sox, we talked about this before we came on the air, that the Red Sox always seem to lose to the, the worst teams. And that's why I picked them a split the series, because I'm like, there's always something that happens. And, you know, with David Price going on the DL, I'm not really sure who's going to fit in that fifth spot. And it was just very shaky at that point. But, I mean, I'm so happy they proved me wrong. I'm, I'm taking that hit this week. And, you know, thank God for Chris Young, Nunez, and, and even Devers. I mean, these these guys are just absolutely tearing it up right now. Seriously. And, you know, Nunez and Devers are probably those bats, you know, fans always, oh, you got to trade for a bat. You got to do this. You gotta, you know, they did. Nunez, it wasn't the splash, but you didn't have to give up top prospects. And the Red Sox uh, management said, do not trade away. Those prospects, ownership did, and, and, you know, it paid off. You know, you have Devers come up here now who's playing well. Nunez is there, and look, I, I don't know. This this team's clicking right now, and look, I'm not saying I'm convinced by any means. You know, last time they won six games in a row, they went and plummeted, um, and David Price happened. So who knows? But at least it's nice to see them kind of get it back because, you know, it could have been really worse, and now you're still in first place. Um, you're kind of getting that nice edge back to your team, and whether they're playing together for anything that happened or not, I don't care. It looks like they're finally playing together. It is, and I absolutely love it. And I know I've been going back and forth for for MVP of the week, and it's just—I mean, I could give it to Nunez and Devers again. I could give it to Chris Young. I could give it to Chris Sale for being human. Mitch Moreland, Christian Vasquez—like, I could just—I'm just gonna give it to the entire team this week, just because the bullpen was great, the offense came alive, defense was awesome too. I just—I mean, I can't just pick one person this week. That might be an easy answer, but to cop out. It is, it is, but I mean, look at the week we had. I can give it to anyone. I give it to Christian Vasquez because why the hell not? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think he deserves it. He, he actually had a really good week despite the homer. He actually had a pretty good week and he caught a lot. And um, The one blemish is maybe the the game he caught Chris Sale. Yeah, he walked off so people forgot, but also he had to catch that game. He, he wasn't supposed to be in that game, people. If, he was, if Sandy Lone wasn't a little banged up, Christian Vasquez wouldn't have been behind the plate because Sandy Leone is Chris Sale's guy. Um, yep, he most and, certainly is, not it? And I think it might have showed when he... I mean, he settled down a little bit, but first couple innings, uh, Chris Sale was not comfortable, you could tell. And it has something to do with it. You know, that catcher-pitcher relationship means a lot, and clearly it meant a lot to Chris Sale because he was not good. Um, oh, I mean, that just goes to show just how strong the, the trust is right there. I mean, that's why, you know, Doug Marabelli caught Tim Wakefield. I mean, maybe because he could also catch the knuckleball, but... You know, you just you establish that trust right there. It's why Veritek was one of the best catchers in the game is because he establishes that trust right off the bat. He, he knows his pitchers. And, you know, Chris Sale and Sandy Leon have that connection right there. Like, Leon knows Sale. And that's that's exactly what you need. Yeah, and it's good that Vasquez has panned out in Leon. Who knows? Because Swihart, I think it's soft today. Swihart's playing third and first now. or teaching him the hot corners. Uh, Ooh, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds like Swihart just can't, his knees or whatever, or just can't catch on a day-to-day basis anymore so it sounds like they're teaching them the ways of the third third and first so we'll see what that happens <laughs> 14 there. years old he can't be having knee issues like seriously. that well, he's an old man he has knee issues but he'll get over it he'll, he'll play first base <laughs> or play third base you never know um that being said he's gonna be traded at some point i'm sure um okay so lauren's wonderful recap and the wonderful six in a week i uh, was brought to you our good friends at seat geek uh, of course the ticketing app the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets get your 20 dollar rebate on your first purchase, you know how to do this, of course. It's downloading that SeatGeek app. Go to the phone, settings tab in the app, click add a promo code. It's a one-word promo code, Garden Report. Uh, tell them who sent you. Get your $20 rebate, of course. Uh, thank you to our friends at SeatGeek. CLS Media, of course, sent you. Um, but, you know, to get your $20 rebate, have some exciting stuff down the line with this show. We'll announce some stuff later on in the month uh, in regards to new friends of the show. 
We'll leave it at that. Um, okay, so one thing I do want to touch on um, is the fact that Dustin Pedroia um, is supposed to come back this week, Lauren. Um, I think the earliest he's available is Wednesday, I think, or two, I don't even know. But I know it's this week, and it sounds like he's on track to do that. So, Lauren, if you are the wonderful, amazing, best manager ever, John Farrell, what would you do? with Dustin Pedroia or even that tense Nunez, what would you do with either one of them? I mean, this is so hard because the team's playing so well and you don't want to mess up the chemistry that they have now. But, you know, John Farrell's mindset is probably, I have to play Pedroia if he's available. Um, I think for the first game he is available. I think he's not going to play. I think he'll like be available on the yep. bench. Yep. Um, I think that's exactly what he'll do. I don't see him being in the starting lineup, at least for the, the first game. If he's, you know, if Nunez or Holt or whoever doesn't play well or, you know, kind of loses their mojo, I think then Pedroia will get get the start. I don't think it's a matter of Pedroia earning his, start, his starting position back. That's his position until he leaves his team no matter what. But I think if you're Farrell, you need to be careful because you don't – I mean, he may not be 100%. You don't really know. And you, you need to be careful, especially, you know, it's mid-August almost where – coming up on September which means we're coming up on playoff baseball so you need to be extremely careful with the people who who really mean the most to you and obviously like Nunez and is doing really well right now but if if I'm Farrell I I make Pedroia available off the bench but I I don't mess with this lineup right now yeah um if anyone I sit Bogarts and I and you know I hate to say that whoa but <laughs> Lauren he's played the crap that's the thing you know he's made defensive errors he hasn't been himself and I think he hasn't had any competition either, which doesn't help him. You know, I think um, competition's healthy. And for me, I look at it as a situation where Bogarts has no threat to come off the field. John Farrell clearly has no threat to take him off the field. Um, and, you know, Marrero's not up here anymore. So when Pedroia comes back, you have to strongly consider. And maybe it's not the first game. Like you said, he'll probably be a game where Pedroia's just available, you know, and see what happens. Um, but Pedroia's first start, you can't sit Nunez. He's got to be in the lineup every day until his bat cools off at this point. So, And you can't sit Devers because he's been playing well. So it's one of those things where now Devers is there at third base. Maybe maybe Devers DHs at some point because if Hanley's not coming back, you can kind of rotate that around as well. Um, where maybe Nunez or um, at Chris Young even or or one of these guys DHs to let Pedroia and Nunez both be on the field at the same time and Bogart still plays because it sounds like Farrell wants Bogarts to work his way out of this funk he's in, but it's been a while now. Um, I think he needs to sit a couple games, get a, get get his get his butt used to the bench a little bit, put a fear in him. But I think the best play is sit Bogarts, let Pedroia play second base. He deserves it. He can't lose his job to injury, especially who Pedroia is. Nunez can play short, and then always rotate when you put Bogarts back in. Devers can DH. Nunez can DH. The way he's hitting, you know, there's there's options for sure. Um, but overall, you just can't take Nunez's bat out of the lineup. No, you you can't. And you know he was just absolutely solid this week. Like I said, he was you know he had three for five in one game. He had home runs in other games, and it was just I feel like every single game he contributed in some way, in some form. So you you can't take that out. And I don't think as much as Farrell likes to play with the lineups and make those kinds of crappy decisions that I know as much as I love him, I know he is capable of screwing up with this lineup. I you just can't do it right now. You're coming off a 7-2 and two homestand 
and you're going against an AL team where you really need to have your best baseball. So I don't see him doing anything drastic with this lineup, and I swear to God, if he takes Nunez out, Twitter's just going to have an absolute field day with it. <laughs> um, yeah, that if 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 you thought people called for John Farrell's firing before, if Nunez is out of this lineup, people might go down there with pitchforks and wait for him at this point. Uh, it, it would be bad. Um, look, Nunez, there's no there's no secret. Nunez endeavors are kind of the spark plug that finally ignited this offense, and I think others are feeding off it. Vasquez with the walk off, Mitchie Forbags with the walk off. You know, um, other guys with big hits in big spots. People are they're running bases aggressively, stealing bases again successfully, like. These guys are clicking. So this is the time to take advantage of that. And, and pitching is a big thing now because, you know, the rotation has been something where um, we haven't really complained about all year because they've been consistent. The bullpen's been my biggest gripe, and they fixed that. And I want to get to that in a second, too. But, you know, with starting pitching right now, we talked about it. Fister, um, our good friend Drew Pomelands is pitching well. And uh, you have other guys finally pitching well. David Price had to stop throwing. Um, he keeps feeling soreness in his elbow. He didn't throw... Um, for the weekend. So, Lauren, this was supposed to be a 10-day thing, supposedly according to the team with David Price. Um, you know, X's been back. This whole thing's been back. When does David Price pitch again this year? I mean, I said it earlier. I think if Fister keeps doing what he's doing, we're not going to see him to the playoffs. And it does concern me now. I know that we were like last week, no way, there's no injury, there's no way, he's just a big baby. And what concerns me is that when somebody goes on the 10-day DL and you know, especially something like Price, someone like Price, when this whole this whole thing happened with Eck and everything, and now they're saying he's he can't throw, or he's not that he can't throw, he's just not going to because of the soreness in his elbow. Then I start to get worried because he was pitching very well. We all know he can pitch well; he throws hard, and it's it's getting to be a concern now that maybe there is a real injury here, and this this elbow thing is is legitimate and. Maybe he should have had the surgery at the beginning of the year. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, huh, maybe maybe he is hurt. And I mean, it's terrible timing regardless. But if he can't throw by you know, this week the or the very beginning of next week at the latest, I'm going to start having some major concerns that we're not going to see him for the rest of the year. If he doesn't throw by the end of this week, he's probably done for the year. I think I agree with that statement because, and me being a pessimist, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised by that. But look... <laughs> It's supposed to be a 10-day situation. He went on the DL, what, a week ago? Like, it's yep. one of those things where he had a ball in his hand like two days, three days after he got put on the DL throwing long toss, and all of a sudden he got shut down. So there's some concern there. And look, a lot of people, including myself, said, David Price, have the surgery. Do it in spring training way back when. It's like it was yesterday. We talked about this, and a lot of people said, oh, no, he'll be fine. He'll get through it. And he was, and he's fine. But now look what's happening. He should have had the surgery, and I get it. At this age, it's fearful of oh, am I going to come back the same way? But now you might not come back at all. If this is if you can't get over this, um, maybe he has the surgery now. But then what's the point? Um, it'd be nice. I mean, whatever. You, but I don't. I'd rather have David Price and Doug Fister. I'm sorry, as well as Doug Fister's pitching. I'd rather still have David Price. And this is a situation now where he should have had the surgery back in February off season, whatever it would have been. And now he's doing it. He potentially could be having the surgery now, Lauren, if he has that surgery, he's be- He's probably not even back till around July next year. Yeah. Which is, which is scary. I mean, I hate elbow injuries because they're so hit or miss, you know, nine times out of 10, they're getting Tommy John surgery. And then, I mean, look at Steven Strasburg, who's had Tommy John surgery and it's just, he's not the same anymore. And he's, I think he's pretty sure he's younger than, than price. And, 
And I know there's been success stories with Tommy John that people come back and just absolutely dominate. I mean, Christian Vasquez had Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, I know he's a catcher. It's completely different. But you just think of elbow injuries and what they've done to what they've done to other players. And it's, you know, Price isn't a spring chicken, but he's not old either. But, I mean, he's 31, comes back, he's almost 33. And that's just another year wasted off his contract. And it's frustrating and it's... Just, I mean, I, I'm, I was relieved that he wasn't going to have the surgery, but at the same time, I'm like, it's still an elbow injury. He still felt crappy enough to go see Dr. James Andrews, which we all know, you go see Dr. James Andrews, your, your season or your season or your career is going to be over when you go see him. And it's very rare when they come out and he's like, no, you don't need the, you don't need any type of surgery. So it just makes you question what was really said when he went to go meet with them back in February. Yeah. Um, I'm scared something happened behind closed doors with that meeting now, especially with him not pitching now. Yeah, all right, yeah, doctors, no, you can go play. Like, I'm scared. I mean, like, Andrews is a professional, so you don't want to think that. But, you know, Red Sox have influence. Ownership has influence. So you don't know. But now you look at this situation where if he's out, this bullpen needs to be even more successful than they already are because you have you added, you added Addison Reed, who – Besides that one, that one run he get, that homer he gave up, he's been pretty good in a Red Sox uniform so far. No surprise. Um, you know, um, Joe Kelly's coming back off an injury. The big one for me, Lauren, is is Brandon Workman um, because not a lot of people have been singing his praise because of the names. You know, Reed, the acquisition, Kimbrel still being Kimbrel, uh, Barnes still is a liability. So you know, these guys are there, but Brandon Workman's been steadily consistent. And you know, my question is. Uh, and I'm curious about it because, you know, you saw Carson Smith. I think he pitched a rehab. He had a rehab outing in Portland. If I was right, Lauren, on that one, I think he didn't pitch too well. But, again, first time in a while. But um, how important is Carson Smith? I mean, it'd be huge if you can get him back. But, you know, with the bullpen the way it is right now, if Joe Kelly's getting healthy, uh, Brandon Workman is a kind of a key piece that you don't might not even need Carson Smith to be successful. It would hurt. But Brandon Workman's been a huge help for this bullpen. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he doesn't get the praise he really deserves. And, you know... Going back on Carson Smith, I I don't even know. I mean, are we ever going to see this guy? And I know it's very unfortunate with the timing of his injury and just not being really able to come back from it. But he's pitching in his second rehab game uh, tomorrow, so Tuesday, for everybody listening tonight, um, for AAA. And he began, you were right, AA Portland. Um, wow, it's been been almost, no, a little over a year since his surgery. Uh like you said, it didn't go well. Looks like he faced four batters and walked the first three of them. So it definitely didn't go well. But, I mean, it's his first one. I'm not too concerned about it. But at the same time, I'm really not in a rush to get him back because our bullpen looks great. And, you know, I you said Addison Reed's been awesome. Joe Kelly came back from the DL. And, I mean, I think Joe is just a perfect bullpen man. And, you know, Workman's been great. Everyone's been great. Every like Barnes, even Barnes hasn't been awful which is yeah. weird and obviously Kimbrel is just Kimbrel but it's it just kind of blows my mind that you know when we got Carson Smith he was supposed to be this really good setup man and and now it's like we don't even need him right now Brandon Workman obviously we know the crap that he dealt with um hadn't pitched since like 2014 I think it was I've um this year he has 13 games CRA is under two it's a 1.86 um obviously no saves but he has 19 uh, in the third innings pitch, only giving up 18 hits, only four runs in those innings, a um, couple ding-dongs, and has 18 strikeouts in the process. Um, 
with like a 1.08 whip. Like for a guy who hasn't been pitching Lauren um, and a guy who has gone through a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't really know on a day-to-day basis, Brandon Workman could potentially be a really key cog to a reason why the Red Sox might actually go deep um, in in a playoff push. Obviously, they're in the lead for the division right now, and he's a good reason why they might win the division if he keeps kind of solidifying six, seven, eight, whatever inning they have him pitching at the, down the stretch. Yeah, Brandon Workman, MVP. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man, that's too soon. Uh, let's not go that far. But um, <laughs> look, I've been one to criticize the bullpen. I have all year. I thought you needed one more arm. You got it. You got Addison Reed. That's a huge deal for me. You know, I don't even care if he's a rental because it's worth the deal. You got that extra help. Um, you know, you could resign him. Who knows? You might like it here and you can get him at a decent price. Maybe you bring back Addison Reed next year. But at least this way, you solidify with that one surefire guy who you trust to put in the eighth inning and you work from behind. Uh, behind him and that that works for this team I think because of the way the offense is playing and um with the guys like Workman Joe Kelly maybe Carson Smith comes back and is produces a little bit but with the price situation the bullpen Lauren is even more important than it already was oh absolutely I mean we I know we talked about it at the beginning of the season that this we thought the bullpen was was going to be really good really solid and at times they were awful but lately they've just been absolutely just dominant and They've proven they can go, you know, five shutout innings, three shutout innings, shutout innings, or just one. We we need it from Kimbrel, but they've been absolute fire the last this whole week, really. And it's just like, I mean, don't don't try to tweak it, don't try to do anything with it because everything's perfect right now. Yeah, I think they got they got to stick with the status quo. John Farrell just hit the right buttons, just keep hitting the buttons. Uh, that's it. Just put them out in the field. But look on the field, it's definitely been a success so far. Obviously, after the All-Star break, they struggled, won their last six, um, and they're going into a week. We'll, re- we'll predict in a little bit, but, you know, all in the division, I think they're a tick under 500 within the division this year, Lauren. Um, so it's kind of a big week for them in that sense because they're on the road, and it's against teams who are in the hunt with them for first. So um, I think that, you know, I always say it's a big week, but up and coming in the division where they haven't been successful all year, um, kind of important for them to kind of dig in here, but... You know, on the field, has been pretty off the field, hit or miss, right? I'm going to talk about Nesson for a minute here because the Nesson broadcast has been hit or miss all year. And, um, you know, people have been questioning why Steve Lyons hasn't been around. And, and that was because of the, um, he was arrested for assaulting his girlfriend back in January. And he can go to trial and that whole story. Um, Wade Boggs is going to be in the booth um, with with the two games in Florida. Um, Lauren, I, big picture um, with Nesson, you know, there's no question in my mind that Dennis Eckersley is the best analyst they have alongside OB. Um, I love Jerry Remy, but Dennis Eckersley is actually really good at what he does. And, you know, since this price thing, obviously he hasn't been traveling as much. I don't know if that's, the, that's probably the Red Sox doing, but, you know, Nesson really isn't a good broadcast. And part of the reason is I know they work for the team, but they don't let the broadcasters really do their job. No, it's, I mean... And it's nothing against Dave O'Brien. I think he's great, but he's really great for radio. And yep. every time I watch a game with my grandmother, she's she will sit there for every single inning. He talks too much. He talks too much. Oh, my God. Well, he shut up. And my grandmother, you know, she's been watching baseball for 89 years. So she's <laughs> she's seen a lot of broadcasters and, you know, play-by-play analysts. And she's just not a fan. She loves Eckersley, but she's not a fan of really anyone else. And... It's just, I wish, I mean, 
not that I think Sunday Night Baseball's broadcast is any better, but oh, it's, it's garbage. Just like, it's awful, and it's just like I mean, I I love listening to Eckersley. I love, and you know, Ob has some some good good things to say sometimes. He had the the you know, what a bummer line the other night. That was so. awesome. What a bummer. <laughs> He's got a great great radio personality for that and it's it just doesn't translate well over to to the tv aspect i think of it. i think he's just done radio for so long that it's in drain that he always needs to be talking and look ob is the least of my concerns you can keep the job by big guy but the fact is that you know the colorado they bring in when all this crap with eckersley and price happened you replace Eckersley with Johnny Gomes, probably one of the bigger homers for anybody. If you just put him on a broadcast, yeah. He, every time he talked about the team, he's saying "we" like he was still on the team. And I, and I like Johnny Gomes; he has a personality. But you you don't say "we" on a broadcast. And I think overall, you add these guys and um, you bring all these guest guys in. You're rotating the door. Just find a guy, and you have one. It's Eckersley. Let him do his job. Don't be afraid to let him criticize the players a little bit. And I understand they're on the payroll, so they shouldn't be saying all the wrong things about the players. I, I understand there's some give and take there, and there's politics that you can't avoid. But the Nesson broadcast as a whole isn't good. You know, the video side of things, you have all the ads that are always running that keep you in the ballpark, all this crap. Like, the Nesson broadcast is one of the lower-rated ones in the league. I know I saw an article somewhere, and it was in the bottom third for sure. But with this broadcast, there's a reason why people, the ratings are down because no one wants to watch Nesson. Like, I would rather watch a nationally broadcasted version of the Red Sox than watch the Nesson broadcast because it's just, it's not a good output of what this team needs. And look, it was better. I don't know if it changed when Orsillo left. It might have. I don't even know. But, and I don't want to blame that because OB's fine, but they're cha- the way they're changing it, it doesn't help me want to sit and watch a three and a half, four hour baseball game. Um, I change the channel when they do stay right here. Nope, I'm gone. I'll be back in two minutes when the commercials are over. And then I can barely stand leaving Nesson on as it is. And it's not entertaining. And this whole second chair fiasco is making it even worse. It it just sucks because, you know, Remy and Orsello had such good chemistry. And I know so many people, I felt like, were just attached to them. It was, you know, the pizza. Oh my god, the pizza, the the whoops, or pulling out his tooth, the getting Marcelo oh. getting a lamp. Like, Here comes so, the pizza. That's the best. I one. watched. That's the best one. I watched a thirteen minute video of their best moments the other day, and I was like, "This is how exactly how I want to spend my free time." It's Probably just, during the Red Sox game because the broadcast was crap. It was. It just makes me really appreciate Orsillo and Rummy as as announcers and as analysts, and just they really. You know, they they sit there, they talk about baseball, but then they talk about something funny. And, you know, they had me laughing, like laugh out loud, like my stomach hurts laughing for a lot of their broadcasts. And I mean, I know Remy is dealing with the cancer relapse and his treatment. So obviously it's not his fault that he can't be there right now. But I saw Remy last week. You saw him. I never told you about that. I never texted you guys. Yeah, we were at um, side note. We can branch off here. Uh, yeah. Jake, Jake and Joe's in Waltham, Mass. You guys know I work in Waltham. The ones who actually know I me. I love Jake and Joe's. Yeah, that's our, that's our local watering hole. I um I work at Constant Contact, for those of you who don't know that, full-time. And we went there on a Friday afternoon after work, and lo and behold, Jerry Remy walked in. And we all double-took, and I was like, guys? And they're like, yeah, that's Jerry Remy, right? Cause I'm like the sports guy in the office, and they're like, I was like, yeah, that is definitely Jerry Remy. They're like, so you're going to go over there and like talk to him, right? And I'm like, no, dude, he, he's like at dinner. I'm not going to go bug the guy. But like, it was kind of cool. It was kind of, it was like, wait, hold on. That's Jerry Remy out and about. 
Okay. What's up? It is it is so cool seeing people like that in the flesh. Like I saw I met Bobby Valentine in twenty thirteen. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it was the same thing. He I mean I was at you know, I was at Bobby Valentine's and down in Connecticut where obviously he's from and has that restaurant and um he just walked in and I was like, No way and the bartender was like, Yeah, he's here all the time and I was like, Oh, all right. I, I took a picture with him. It was pretty cool. That's it's on my Facebook and my Twitter and everything. But I mean, wicked nice guy. And yeah, you know, obviously, uh, what he did this team here was was trash. But yeah. um, it's just funny, just kind of being out and seeing somebody in the flesh like that. I was like, wow, like they're real people. They go out to eat too, and they go out for drinks, and they go out with their friends and family. And yeah, and like people, my, everybody I work with was like, you're gonna go side them, right? I'm like, guys, like I know, like I respect people outside of the media. Like the media members need like normal life. Like they can't just be bombarded. Like I like for us, you know, we've been in locker rooms. Like these people are people. Like I don't want to like bug them out and about. Um, but yeah, small tip. I forgot to tell you guys about that. Um, <laughs> small. I didn't mean to drop the ball on that one. But um, but yeah, what were we talking about? I did not mean to. Um, kill you them. know the, the broadcast and how crappy it is. For oh yeah, that crap conversation. Um, look, put David Ortiz back in the booth. Put that was David phenomenal. Ortiz. That was phenomenal. Okay, David Ortiz in the booth was great. He was cheering. Like, go, let's go, 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 go. And, like, David Ortiz has a job in any booth he wants, if he, whenever he wants it. Johnny Gomes should never sit foot in that booth again. Um, originally, I thought I was okay with Johnny Gomes being up there and then watching his awkward tics, like his random trying to wink, whatever it was. I don't even know. Um, Johnny Gomes is insane on the field. I don't mind him as a warrior. Uh, I want to go to battle with you, Johnny Gomes, but I don't want to watch you try to go to battle in a broadcast booth. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just not not going to happen, but... Um, that, that's my piece on Nesson um, and this whole thing going on. Because, look, Steve Lyons has issues. He's off the field dealing with his potential assault arrest. And Wade Boggs is going to call games. Who knows how that will go? We, I'm intrigued by Wade Boggs because I know he knows the game. But still, there should be consistency. No one – I can't imagine any other broadcaster around the league has this much, like, inconsistencies with their second chair. And honestly, I commend O'Brien even more for dealing with this, for what Nesson is putting him through. Because they, this is a guy who's been a cult, the best professional he possibly could have been, the ultimate professional, throughout his entire career on the radio side and whenever he filled in TV. And now he gets his dream job, basically, and now he's handing all this, gets handed this crap a second chair, except for when Eckersley's, Eckersley's in the booth. And it's just, I, I actually gave him a lot of credit for what he has to deal with. No, and you have to think of it that way, too. Like, you know, sometimes you could be going into the booth not knowing who you're going to be sitting next to and just flip-flopping who you're sitting next to, too. I mean... Who knows? The chemistry's off. You got to kind of censor what you say, how you speak, and it's, it's. I mean, it's definitely frustrating because I mean, I like consistency in my commentators too, no matter what I'm watching. And the, I mean, I'm sure they would have kept Steve Lyons on had this whole report not come out, or you know, if, if he just didn't put his hands on his girlfriend, you know, if he could be a decent human being for a minute. And I mean, it frustrates me because I enjoyed Steve Lyons. I enjoyed him in the booth. I thought he was fun. Um, not nearly well, as much as I enjoy Eckersley. I, I, I think they should keep Eckersley. And I was not a fan of him at first. Um, not just this year, but in previous years, I didn't like him in the booth. And I've really taken, taken a liking to him. Just, you know, obviously I love the honesty and the brutality that comes from his mouth. And just, you know, I don't mind when he says yuck or whatever. But it's, I really, really have come to like Eckersley and, he makes it. He makes the game fun. I like listening to just the way he talks. He just talks about the game. You know, he knows his game, and not that you know Steve Lyons, Johnny Gomes, not that they don't know the game either. But there's just something very special about Eck, and like I said, it frustrates me that even 
you know, it's not consistent because then Dave O'Brien can't establish the, the chemistry and the trust with his broadcasting partner. And, you know, he gets a broadcasting partner and then he gets, goes and gets arrested. Like, that's a big thing. And, you know, he didn't get arrested, like, he didn't get arrested for something small. Like, there's no. charges on him and he could be going to trial in September if, uh, if charges don't get dropped. So that's like, it's kind of serious. I mean, you see the chemistry too, um, with O'Brien and Eckersley, like, you know, on the, on the, um, I forget which walk off it was. That sounds crazy to say that out loud, but, um, <laughs> the, the one, I think it was the longer, the, the, um, the, the 11th the, inning, the, the 11th inning, but it was also a call when he goes, Dave O'Brien hit, they hits the ball and goes, yep. Oh, we can go home now. Like, <laughs> like, like that one was great. And then, and then like, as soon as they popped the bat, Eckersley was like, Oh, there it is. And O'Brien's like, we can go home now. And it was like, you know, it does take some comfort level to say stuff like that. And I think Eckersley and O'Brien could be that duo that has that level of chemistry if you just keep them together. And Nesson is just screwing the pooch on this one and not keeping them together. So hopefully, you know, they go through it. And, you know, you know, bet Nesson pays attention to their ratings because there's always stats about how much they've dropped. I guarantee you Nesson has the best ratings when those two do games together. Because as much as it's not Orsillo and Remy, they do have chemistry, and Eckersley's really good, and O'Brien's pretty funny when he has his moments. So that's got to be what Nesson sticks with. And please, for the love of God, get rid of the updates around the league, all the Red Sox games going on, the stupid sidebar. Don't care. I don't care, don't what, Brock, I don't care what Brock Holt's favorite song is. Don't and care. Please get rid of stay in the park. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, no. I don't care about the commercials either, but it's just like, why are you showing me what goes on inside the park? I know what goes on inside the park. I mean, anybody can figure it out. They just get ready. They warm up and they go out there. They sit down. They get on their helmets, their batting gloves. It's just, it, I don't like it. I hate that sidebar. I absolutely hate it. I do like how sometimes they have like the facts, like not like Brockholt's favorite songs, but like Andrew Benintendi's like three and three for 13 and against this pitcher. Like I like the, the, the stats about, at players in in the game, not like yeah. Put those person. in the graphic, like literally every other broadcast does underneath the guy when he's hitting. Yeah, like, I, I don't. Why do I got to see it when he's on? Why do I got to see it when he's sitting on the bench chewing gum? I, I I follow these guys on Instagram and on Twitter. I can figure that out from just stalking them a little bit. If anyone wants to care about those stats, they're gonna go find them. No one needs to be shoved them in their face on a TV broadcast. But um, I digress. It's never gonna get better, so it's okay. Uh, um couple things around the league. Uh, obviously, a lot happening in the Red Sox world. But tonight, as we speak, uh, Mike Trout, his 1,000th hit. Mind you, today is his 26th birthday. Guy is 26 years old, has 1,000 career hits, joins a really, really pristine club. I know I, as much as you hate to say it, A-Rod's in that club. There's a lot of great hitters in that club. Um, another example of how Mike Trout is just being wasted away on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, 26 years old. He's He's young he's a baby and it like it blows my mind a thousand hits and i don't know if you saw the video of him in the clubhouse afterwards just getting eggs and slurpees destroyed it was great so much fun and there was a crazy stat that popped up actually like on my my time hop from two or three years ago it was either his 23rd or 24th birthday obviously and they were saying that he had homered in like the last two of his games on his birthday and he like here he goes again just doing what he's doing and you know it, it sucks that I mean he's a great player he's a great hitter there's no doubt about that and I mean I, on the west coast we're not going to hear too much about it but it I just oh so much I mean he's so he's so fun to watch and it sucks that the angels aren't you know the best team right now or whatever but 
he's he's something special. And he's like I said, only twenty six, a thousand career hits. This this guy, he he's good. You know, he's he's something special. Oh, I hope they get him off the Angels at some point. He needs to win a World Series, and it's not going to be there. I just, it's not going to be there. They're 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 just not, they're not running that team the right way. They're not rebuilding. They're not giving them successful teams. You know, they obviously brought in Pujols back then, and you know they had a good teams for a while with him. But you know, he's not going to win a World Series in in, in L.A. That's for sure. Um, okay, so one other thing I want to talk about, or you want to talk about, because you you put it on here, um, which is intriguing to me actually. Several pitchers are actually wearing safety inserts in the caps now. I saw a little bit about this. Is there, Lauren, what is this all about? Well, I know um, we saw Robbie Ray last week get shelled in the head. A um, yep. couple stitches. He's on the concussion protocol. You know, luckily he's okay. And um, it's definitely very scary. I read um, an article that uh, Schumacher, I think it was, got hit in the head. He had to have emergency brain surgery. And he said he's been wearing it ever since. And... Uh, I don't know too too much about it, but I know a lot of pitchers have been starting. A lot of St. Louis Cardinals players have been wearing them, and I think it's. I mean, I think it's a necessity for any pitcher. I don't know. If, I mean, I I used to be a softball pitcher, and that ball coming back at you. We're not throwing ninety, eighty to one hundred miles an hour. We're you know like fifty to seventy miles an hour. We're still pretty fast. But yeah. That ball's coming at you when it comes at your face. Like there is just that one, not even second you have to react, and it's. The most, it's like the scariest thing. You just see this ball come at your face. And, you know, I can't imagine getting hit in the head. I've been hit by line drives. I've been hit by pitches. But never in the head, you know, knocked on wood. But I think it's a good step in the in the right direction. I think I don't think people really take it too seriously because it doesn't happen often. But you don't want it to happen to somebody in this era ever that, it ends their career, even their life, because it hits you in the right spot in the head. It's going to kill you, and it's extremely unfortunate. And, you know, so we have so – there's so many good pitchers in the league. There's so many young – they're young. They have lives and families outside of outside of the game. And I think anything to protect them in, in any aspect is definitely a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I think that, you know – it's a, it's very practical for sure. I think it's only going to help, and I think it's it's important for players to do what they need to do to feel safe. And I think that's a big step for them to, you know, start to vitalize that. You know, maybe someday it isn't a CBA where um, it's required or something like that. I can't imagine anytime soon. But you know, a batting helmet wasn't always required either, and now it, and everyone has to wear one. So um, it's just another evolution evolution of the game, a possibility where everyone maybe has to wear it at some point. Um, but you know, you don't really know until you, you kind of, things happen and you learn from experiences. So maybe this is something where, um, players are starting to respond to it and maybe eventually it gets put into the rules, but, um, who knows, but I, I do like seeing it. I think it's something that's awesome that the players are taking it into their own hands to kind of worry about their own safety, which is good because sometimes the leagues just don't care. Um, okay. Before we get out of here, we'll have to talk about a lot tonight. Of course, no Jess, so no master predictions, but we have two. Uh, well, five upcoming games here. Very important games, Lauren, because like I said, they're under 500 in the AL East this year. The Red Sox are. And now you have two in Tampa against the Trop. Wade Boggs on the call. And then you have three back here in the Bronx um, against the Yankees, who are obviously fighting for your first place. Same with the Rays if you lose both those. But, you know, right now Red Sox didn't play tonight. Coming up big week in the division. Lauren, going out of Florida can't. You have to win both those games, right? You do, and I have them sweeping the the Rays. I know that they've been 
you know, pretty good in the AL and, but this is the Red Sox time. They're, they're hot right now. They're coming off the seven, two homestand six, no week. And this is their time to really get ahead in the AL, especially they have five games against AL opponents. So they really need to make them count. And, you know, I want to say Chris sales on the mound, but we saw what he can do when he's human. So I, but I do think despite, you know, having a little concern that Chris sale is human and that he, is capable of having crappy outings that they're going to take two from them. Like I said, they're hot. Nunez, Devers, Moreland, just everybody is just absolutely heating up. Even Benintendi after a couple games off, it's just his bat starting to heat up again. So I just, I see this team really just kind of breaking out in this next week. Yeah. You have to win the two in, in, in Florida, especially with the three coming against the Bronx in the Bronx against the Yankees. Um, no, no question on my especially the way this team is playing right now, that you don't win both those games in Florida. Uh, you might get some weird bounces because it's the trot, but I think you win those two. Uh, and then there's really against the Yankees where I think you have issues, Lauren. Um, I, I think you lose two out of three against the Yankees. You know, I, I'm pretty convinced still that I, I see some holes still in this team. I don't think they're consistent yet. Obviously, they're playing well. I'm not taking anything away from them. I still think this team's going to win the division, but... I think there's still some holes to make this team lose against the Yankees team who just made deals as well, right? You made They made trades to make themselves better on the fly because they weren't expecting to be this good this year, and they made trades to fill their small holes as well. And I think the Yankees get the best out of you in the Bronx. Uh, you lose two out of three, three in two weeks. Not the worst thing in the world, but at the same time, um, Red Sox fans might be a little disappointed after leaving the Bronx. There's the pessimist we know and love. There have to. Have to. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I definitely disagree with you. I think they're going to take two out of three from from the Yankees. I know they're going into the Bronx. They, you know, Aaron Judge obviously is just on a tear. The trades they made at the deadline, I get it. The Yankees are a good team. They're making their way back up in the standings. But like I said, this is their the Red Sox time to break away in the division, really just kind of solidify a solid, good chunk of lead in the in the division and I think we're going to be saying it from here on out every week that this is an important week of games and this this is especially important right now like I said we're in August coming up on September and pretty soon before we know it playoff baseball is going to be here and we really need to fight for for first place in this division and I know the Yankees are are really good I hate saying that but they're, they're pretty good and I as much as I have you know some concerns going into the series i don't see them losing more than one game stop wishing away the season lauren because then it's gonna be winter meetings and we'll be depressed and upset in the snow I doing these never sh- wish away the season. so you're slowly <laughs> wishing away the season here lauren but look i just think that at some point you know this t- this team's playing really well right now and i wouldn't be surprised honest to god lauren i wouldn't be surprised if they go five and this week i wouldn't be because that's the way they're playing right now um but i, I just they, they, they're going to take a step back um and i think you know the way they've played this year in the division um, you're not going to lose to the Rays, but at the same time, the Yankees are the team who are good, and you hate to say it because we're Red Sox fans, but at the same time, we have to be critical of it. The Yankees are a lot better than a lot of people thought they were going to be because the young kids are playing well, and now they were able to add um, some pieces to make themselves better. And look, they made a push. You were just out of first place, and I, and I was one of the ones who said you're not going to lose first place again this year, and they did. They went back to second place. So maybe that was a wake-up call. Uh, maybe it's a David Price thing. Um, but this team is playing together right now. Lauren has them going four and one. I have them going three and two. Jess, 
doesn't exist this week. Sorry, buddy. Um, so that being said, we'll leave it at that. See how the week of baseball pans out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, of course, search Red Sox beat podcast. Please go rate, review, and subscribe the crap out of this on iTunes as well as uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, rate, don't leave, of course, leave a review there as well. Um, see on us media, go follow us on Twitter, Facebook as well, uh, the podcast app, and of course, don't forget to keep an eye out for the new uh, website launch at sealonusmedia.com, so keep your eye out there. Um, you've seen all the rebranding, we're doing great things, so definitely check that out as well. Uh, shout out to our friends at SeatGeek, don't forget the uh, Guard Report promo code when you're in the settings tab, you get that $20 rebate. Um, Lauren, great show, as always, held it down. Jess, hope you enjoyed your week off, probably in bed, uh, lucky. But we'll be we'll be back next week uh, for Lauren. Uh, I am Jared here. We'll be back next week. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Media. Uh, enjoy the week, everyone.